You're listening to The Wonder Podcast, brought to you by Be The Change Youth Initiative, where we believe everyone should be seen, heard, and loved. We're committed to educating, equipping, and empowering youth to use their lives in advocacy for others. The Wonder Podcast was created to be a space where we truly see and hear one another. Because when we listen to people's stories, empathy is cultivated. So we'd like to invite you along with us as we listen and learn from others. This is The Wonder Podcast. This week's guest is someone I'm inspired by and admire. Lori A. Watkins is a Catalyst for Change policy expert, media commentator, and political strategist. She's founder and president of her own consulting organization, an incredible speaker, executive coach, best-selling author, as well as a human rights and women's rights advocate. And I have to throw in that she's also President Obama's former policy advisor, which is amazing. So cool. I've loved following Lori on social media because she's using her platform to not only educate others on important topics, but also encourage them to create change in their own ways, whether that's by cultivating community, sharing their stories, voting, the list goes on. Her work is incredibly impressive, and I can't wait for all you to get to know her more. So thank you so much, Lori, for joining me today. Thank you for having me. It's so wonderful to be here. And thank you for the work you're doing with the Wonder Podcast. Oh, thank you so much. Well, before we get in, um, started, I normally ask my guests three get-to-know-you icebreaker questions. So this first one is, if you can remember, what was your most played song on Spotify last year? <laughs> That's a good one. Um, I think my most played song was by Rihanna. Um and I, it's hard to pick from which it's, it's they, and I'm trying to remember the name of the album. It's the one of her with the short hair, the white background. Um, mm, yes. There's so many songs on that album and it's hard to pick just one, but the whole entire album, I just put it on Spotify and I would just, it would always make me crank through work. <laughs> it would inspire yes. me. It would make me sing out loud. It would give me feelings of motivation and jolts of energy that I needed while mm. also uh, singing along, which I always enjoy. And, bef- you know, without even realizing it, I, I stopped myself at one point, you know, a couple yeah. times and was like, this is really enjoyable. You know, you're in a good mood when you're singing along to a song or you're in your house and you're humming or, or, or singing a tune it usually means that you're in a pretty good place. I love that so much. Also, Rihanna's just badass. I love her. <laughs> yes, she is. <laughs> <laughs> well, the second question is, so we're going to talk more about um, physical fitness later on in this conversation, but for now, I would love to know what your favorite form of physical activity is. If you need like a quick workout or just stressed out. My favorite is the simplest that most people folks can do that are mobile and that's go for a walk. And if you are in the category where you have challenges or you are disabled, there are ways that folks can uh, get outside and, and either, you know, um, uh, through a wheelchair or through somebody assisting them or through all different means, but it takes somebody 
asking for help, right? And saying mm -hmm. and asking yeah. for what they need. But um, if you are able to walk and move your body, I would say going outside at any time during the day is a great way to break up the monotony of the day. Just give yourself a complete change in tone <laughs> and a shift mm -hmm. by, by breaking up whatever you're doing. Uh, I've been doing a lot of midday walks lately. And I also, my dog benefits from that, right? Because he'll get an extra boost. But the yes. easiest thing is to just take a walk, even if it's five minutes. And I also encourage, don't get on your phone. <laughs> don't mm -hmm. go outside to go on a walk and then make a call to somebody. Um, there's times that I would suggest that, like reach out to a long lost person, you know, and, and reach out to a friend because that's a form of... Uh, of de-stress as well as our, our relationships. But I would say, try to be as present and just have quiet time as much as you can. And take a walk around the block, um, take a walk around a courtyard, whatever whatever that you can do um, based on your, your time allotment for the day, I would just say, make it happen. I guarantee you it'll change your attitude, your perspective and put you in a better mood. I love that. I know I need to get in a better habit of doing that, but even just by making the short changes of taking like five or 10 minutes to just be outside and separate myself from my phone and my work, um, it definitely does make a huge difference in your life. <laughs> it does. It does. It really does. Yeah. So the last icebreaker question that I had for you, and no one is going to understand why I'm asking this last question unless they follow you on social media, but what's your favorite flavor of shaved ice? <laughs> oh, thank you. So it is summertime and here in the DC area, it is extremely toasty and warm right now. So there is uh, my favorite, my favorite flavor of shaved ice is usually like a strawberry or a, or a cherry or something like that. Mm. But there's Clay's shaved ice. Now I'm giving them a shout out. It's a bunch of these young um, friends, these guys that are friends and they have a couple carts and they show up different places and they advertise everything on social media and they have a pretty good following. And I see them when I'm walking my dog and it's really hard to resist a shaved ice when it's, you know, 88, 90 degrees outside and you're on a walk. And now I've come to treat my dog as well by getting him a shaved ice. Of course, it doesn't yes. have any, any of the syrup or anything. It's just basically ice, but he enjoys it too. And um, again, it's just something that I've discovered on my walk. So while you're yes. on a walk, you never know what you could, uh, what you could come across and who you'll meet. So that's just uh, another benefit of getting outside and moving your body. Yes. <laughs> It reminds me of my childhood. I didn't really eat shaved ice a lot, but in the instances when I did, it just, it just reminds me of on a, like a playground or, or playing with yeah. other kids and just puts me in a good mood. I love that. Uh, well, thank you so much for coming on. I'm so excited for people to get to know you more. Um, I honestly have a hundred questions for you. First, I've been following your Instagram account for a couple months now. And for those that are listening, you can find Lori at Lori, L-A-U-R-I-E-A Watkins, W-A-T-K-I-N-S. 
I feel like you're everywhere, especially on various news outlets, talking about public policy and foreign affairs. And I'd love for you to share a little bit about your background because you've had some incredible jobs and a seat at some pretty influential tables. But I'd also love to hear your why. So why or what are some of your passions when it comes to your work, both in the past and in the present? Well, thank you for the question. That's a good one because, yeah, I'm very passionate about my work and the different industries and uh, focus areas that I've worked on over the years has ebbed and flowed, but the nucleus surrounding all of the policy issues that I've tackled and become, you know, really focused on at the core of it all is helping people (laughs) and Mm -hmm. speaking I, I have found and other people have asked me to, but I have no problem and it comes naturally to me to realize when there are folks that want to say something, but they're either scared, they're not empowered, mm-hmm. they've never done anything like that before, but either they've indicated to me or I can just tell that they have something to say or they've tried to say something in the past and they've been shut down. And from then on, they, they have just chosen to let others speak for them. And especially now how important politics is and policy, it's, it's more important than ever. Politics affects people's lives every single day, whether you care to believe that or not, it does. And Mm -hmm. The more active and involved you can get, the better. But speaking, speaking on behalf, not for people, but speaking up for people that have either lost their voice, feel they don't have a voice, or their voice has been suppressed. That is at the core of what I do. And whether that's working on global foods, global food shortages and food supply, um, human rights, women's issues, whether that's working on uh, over the weekend, I just helped coach 52 young aerospace, aspiring aerospace um, engineers and scientists and policymakers that were in a fellowship and how, you know, they're going to change the world through waste and energy and climate change and and helping the planet. And so there's, there's all different focus areas, but at the core, it's about people. Some of the folks that I've worked with and how I got my start, I started when I was in college, I changed my major a couple of times. This might be interesting for some of the younger listeners to hear. You may change your mind. You may change your focus. Your passion probably will stay the same. And if you start working on something that you don't feel passionate about, that's your signal that you that you should probably keep exploring. Because if it doesn't fulfill your passion, it doesn't fulfill your why of why you want to wake up swing your feet over the side of your bed, get up, put your clothes on and go to work and do what you're doing, then you should look at something else. Because if you, if you can, can find work that fulfills you, that fulfills your passion, it will not feel like work. (laughs) It will feel like a gift that you are receiving from the people you're working with. It will feel like a blessing and an honor of the work that you're doing and the team that you're, the teams that you're working on and the impact that you're having, whether it's in a local community or, or more on a global scale. Um, I started out in college interning for a member of the legislature in Florida. And that got me to really develop the political bug 
And then from there, I focused on policy and worked for state legislators. Then I went to work for a member of Congress. And then I was asked to join the Obama campaign as the deputy political director in 2008. And we won. It was an amazing experience. But I hit burnout during that during that um, experience on that campaign. And then right from there, I went to work in the administration at the Pentagon. And I realized very quickly that if I didn't get a hold of myself and I didn't change my habits and my lifestyle, that these jobs that I was so passionate and so incredibly motivated to work in, I was going to fail. And while I loved the work, I loved the job, I had to prioritize myself, my health, <laughs> my well-being, or I wasn't going to be of use to anyone. And so that helped taking care of myself and, and developing new routines helped me bridge the gap to even more long-term success, if that makes sense, because I was running, instead of running on fumes, <laughs> I was running at basically full capacity. And if I didn't have that experience, I don't think I would have made such significant changes, but the work was, the passion was always there. And because the passion was always there, sometimes it can make us, we can allow ourselves to deprioritize ourselves. So I just want to throw mm -hmm. that out there that yes, be passionate about your work, but don't, don't go so overboard that it starts to control your life and, and cause a detriment to um, your health and well-being. My family and I, we just took a break off of the nonprofit and music for two weeks. Um, cause not, we were, we weren't forced, but we were like highly encouraged by some people that we were working with, like a, um, a strategist team that we were working with. And we just got back from that. But it's like you said, like I, last year around fall, like the beginning of fall, I got really sick and I got sick like four different times within the same month and a half. But that's because I was experiencing burnout and I never knew what that like felt like before, but I wasn't able to do things to the best of my ability. And I was like able to kind of be in that and experience that for the first time. But like you said, like once you go through something like that and you experience it yourself, it's you, it, you make you want to make changes like with lifestyle choices or just healthy eating habits or just making sure that you just take a day for yourself or like some time for yourself and just meditate or do whatever you do, you know? So I really, whenever I um, listen to other people who are doing the work that they're passionate about, but then also encouraging other people to see the importance of having mental health days or like taking care of themselves, I think it's so important. So I love that you mentioned that. Sydney, I'd like to add one more thing about since you brought up mental health and it's yeah. a very important topic to me as well, is that don't forget about how heavy some of the topics and some of the, the information and, and, and substance and content that just everyday Americans are dealing with mm -hmm. and absorbing things that are happening every day, whether it's what you're seeing on the news or things that are happening in your own community. And there is a lot of heaviness right now. Yeah. Um, there is a lot, there's a lot of emotional challenges and um, emotional and physical challenges that people are going through. And you might be working on something 
like I, I work on, you, you mentioned foreign policy, foreign affairs. Mm -hmm. There's a lot going on around the world. There's a, there's a war right now, right. That Russia has, um, has gone into Ukraine. There's, there's many things around the world that are very heavy topics that have a great deal of seriousness to it, that if people are working on issues like that, whether it's, you know, racial injustice, whether it's women's rights, whether it's on immigration, if you're working on something like that, I understand and appreciate how that could take a toll on you. <laughs> it could take a toll on you when you come home. Perhaps you're working with the developmentally disabled. Perhaps you're working with kids, seniors. If you're working in any of these areas or you're studying because you're a younger person and you're in college studying or learning a trade, these can be some heavy areas that you're absolutely passionate about, that you're driven by, and that you're helping people. But again, please don't forget to take care of yourself and just acknowledge that these, these are heavy. Uh, but it's okay to take a day off, take some time for yourself. Again, go outside and take a walk, go on a vacation, use those vacation days. Don't you dare at the end of the year say you didn't mm -hmm. use them up and they're just sitting there because you don't get them back. Just mm -hmm. make sure to take care of yourself, especially right now with everything that's going on in the world. Mm. Thank you so much for saying that. And that kind of leads into the way that you're like talking and super passionate about encouraging the younger generation. That leads into the next question that I had for you. So after following your account for a few weeks, you posted something about mentoring a recent college grad. And I knew that um, then that I was going to be a fan of yours automatically. Like mentorship is so needed. And honestly, yeah. I've been wanting a mentor for years, someone that I can go to with questions and look to for advice especially since I'm choosing a career path that hasn't historically been kind or fair to women. So why is mentorship important to you? And can you share any examples of great mentorship in your life? So mentorship is important to me. At the core of it is because I, I want to help people. I want to help especially young women because of the challenges that I personally experienced coming up in my career and the challenges I was able to overcome because of the mentorship and leadership that I had in my life. And those men and women that took time that had a deep vested interest in my future and success, and it was genuine and it was, and for most of those people, they are still in my life. They're extremely important to me. I still reach out to them and communicate with them. And I also congratulate them when they have wins and not just they congratulate me when I have wins. So I think that's an important dynamic there about a mentee and a mentor is that while you are the mentee, remember to stay abreast of what your mentor is doing right? They need, they, they love encouragement too, especially from yeah. people that they are mentoring. They like to know that you're, you're aware of what they're doing and what's going on as well, right? And so giving them a pat on the back can go a long way. I will say the young woman that you mentioned, Ashlyn, I just had a conversation with her last night and she's on the West Coast and I'm on the East Coast here in D.C., and she has a big interview this afternoon for an internship here on Capitol Hill. And yeah. so we talked about that. And yeah. 
she had some questions for me and I know she's going to knock it out of the park, uh, but she is very prepared. She asked me specific questions. She asked me questions that, you know, even for me that she had thought about that were outside the box, which I very much appreciated. But as a young woman, she has some thoughts about the environment in, on Capitol Hill, working in the Capitol and what that's going to be like, especially for an intern. And so as much as I could help share some stories or tips, um, I, I did, but she's going to experience this for herself and she's going to have her own experience. And mm -hmm. I'm here and I'm not too far away and I'm really hoping this all works out because then we'll be physically closer, but I'm here for her you know, and, and she's, she's more than prepared, but she's asking the right questions. And she's incredibly grateful to have not just me, but other people in her life. And that means a lot to me because she's taking it seriously. She's using the time that we have together in a, in a, the most, in the way that's most valuable to her. Mm. And she's then, I already see her passing that on to other people. And so it just makes me feel all warm and fuzzy inside and her success is my success. And so I, I love mentorship. I really do. It fills my cup. It's, it's, uh, it really, it really fills my cup. It makes me really happy to see the success and it gives me hope. And I'll just add this when I feel down or I read about, I'm doing research on a topic that I have to, to discuss on, in the media, for example, and it's a really heavy topic. You can start to feel beat down, hopeless, right? <laughs> what is the world coming to? Is there any way that we can change X, change Y? But then I interact with young folks <laughs> and mm -hmm. I am reminded time and time again that there is our future is bright, that mm -hmm. I remain hopeful. And that's why I continue to do this work, that all is not lost. It is up to the next generation and they are more than adequately prepared. And however I can be a part of being a catalyst for that change, mm -hmm. I'm here and I'm all for it. I love that so much. And honestly, like I've had several conversations with my peers too, and we're constantly saying like how thankful we are for the adults in our life who um, are pouring into our generation because we also feel that too whenever we're doing the work or talking about difficult topics or just like you know going showing up to protest like it's one of those things that a lot of it when the community comes together we can make a difference and create change and I definitely believe that the youth of our world are more than capable of creating that change um, and to be part of that is really special to me, but we're constantly thankful for the people in our life who have poured into us, whether it's trusted leaders, family members, um, some of our like role models in life. We're just constantly like even more grateful um, that you all spend time like pouring into us because we we need that encouragement. And I love what you said about how it's like a a joint effort in supporting each other in our successes like it's not just the mentor supporting the mentee but it's the other way around and I think that builds so much of a more special bond um, mm -hmm. that connects us even more like as we're continuing to do the good work 
Absolutely. Absolutely. You're deepening that relationship. You're learning more about one another. And especially if you are not located in the same geographical space, mm. what, you know, through social media or through just following what they're doing and really being present in their accomplishments and letting them know if they have something going on also. I think it's, I also think it's important to, to give people a little boost before they go into something, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm, I have it on my calendar today at a certain time that, cause I don't want to forget and I don't want my day to get away from me. I have it on my calendar to send her a message at a certain time before her interview So she feels my love and support. She knows that I am, you know, giving her a high five before she goes into it. Little things like that can mean a lot versus Mm -hmm. afterwards. Hey, how did that go? You know, just one more, just one more boost of encouragement. So little things like that, you know, just add it to your calendar. It doesn't take a lot of effort, but it will mean Mm -hmm. the world to somebody. Oh, so good. So our, con- our connection is through the musical imprint, uh, which is my first entry into authorship. So I'm very excited about that. But I'd love to hear a little bit about your chapter in the musical imprint and the song that has made such a lasting impact on your life. But I'd also love for you to share more about your best-selling book. So go from stress to strong health and fitness advice from high achievers. I feel like I need to add this one to my list because sometimes our lives get so crazy with be the change and the first things to go are healthy eating and exercise. (laughs) So I'd love for you to share the backstory behind that project as well. Yes, uh, both are are very exciting projects and the musical imprint. Wonderful that it brought us together and Mm -hmm. thank you for everything that you're doing with your work and also how that touches music because music has been important to me since the moment I was born, I believe. Mm. It's always been a part of my life, always had music on growing up. And my particular song is Grandpa, Tell Me About the Good Old Days by the Judds. Mm. And if you're not familiar with that song, um, it came out in 1986, but I was still five years old, not yet six. And I was singing at that time uh, as a young girl. And my father would, I also played the piano and my father would encourage me to sing songs and whatnot. And that song, he recorded an audio tape, a recording of me singing that song to send to my grandparents in Maine (laughs) because he was so proud And my grandparents, especially my grandmother, loved to hear me sing. And so then when I would go to Maine to visit them, which was quite often, they would come down as well because I was their first grandchild. I would always get asked to sing that song (laughs) in front of them, for family, for everything. And so that song for many years is wrapped up around incredible, loving, safe memories that I have as a kid. And it all surrounds mostly my grandmother. And so I share about that in this book, The Musical Imprint, which will be coming out soon. And you'll be able to share Sydney's story as well as mine um, about our songs and, and how that left an imprint on our life. And it really has stayed with me to where I am now at 41 years old. So yeah, 
And then the book you asked me about how that came about. Yeah, I kind of touched on that, that I hit burnout Mm -hmm. eventually (laughs) while working on the Obama campaign. And I was still able to function. And at the end, after election day, the next day, post post you know you do like a post-mortem and you come in and you clean out the office and and you're taking stuff down and you're doing you know post wrap-ups there's a lot of work that needs to be done but we won and I go back Mm. into the office into headquarters and all I, I like had this moment where it was almost like I was floating above myself and I'm looking around the the headquarters and everyone we looked like you know a zombie movie we, we, we were lifeless. We had just helped get, and we won Florida, by the way, the first time in, I think it was 26 years that a Democrat had been elected president in the state of Florida. Yeah. It was a really big, big deal. Mm. And instead of, you know, jumping for joy and, and how you might've thought in some movie, right. Of Mm. of a campaign staff after winning, we just gotten the first African-American man elected president as well. (laughs) And we were, exhausted we were beat down we were tired and we were not we were shells of ourselves and so I'm mentioning this because it's incredibly hard work you're basically compressing two years into a matter of months Mm -hmm. or building a company from scratch in a matter of months like a corporation that then you tear down (laughs) <laughs> when the, when it's over, you dismantle it completely. So it's incredibly emotional also. This big thing that you build and that you invest in, you then strip it down to nothing. And so we are walking around like zombies and, I, and I'm noticing this and I'm just like, here we are, we're, we should be jubilant. We should have a completely different reaction and we don't because of the state that we're in physically, emotionally, and mentally. And so I really wanted to fix that. And then, like I said, I got an appointment to work in the Obama administration at the Pentagon and I was just terrified that this job's going to be more strenuous I was now traveling to different countries. So there's different time zones. I, I had to get a hold of myself. And then how it all started, I'll just segue into, into the book this way, is for the first time in my life, I'd always worked in government also up until that point, except for on political campaigns. But it was the first time that I'd ever seen governmental agency that cared and prioritized pe- people's well-being and their physical fitness. And so I'd see my XO... Uh, my commanding officer say, I'm going downstairs, ma'am, to the, to the pack, the Pentagon Athletic Center, and I'll be back in an hour. I'm going to go do PT. And they take off. And no one said anything. It was encouraged. It was actually, um, it was not seen as a, a benefit if they didn't go. Some people would ask, you know, did you go to PT today? Because it was a requirement in most yeah. senses because you have to pass PT tests, you know, so you want to stay physically fit and, and they should be. Mm-hmm. No one said anything. It was encouraged, motivated, all of it. And then I'd oh. sit around these, you, you mentioned about sitting around some of these very influential mm-hmm. uh, or being around some of these conference tables, right? With very influential people. And then I'd be sitting as the only woman around a table with generals and, um, and military staff, and I'm a civilian, and there'd be a huge tray of donuts, right, and sweets sitting there. 
and coffee. And you'd see people just, that's what they'd be eating during the day. And then you'd see folks in the military acting completely different, <laughs> differently than, than the civilian staff. And so I started adopting that model of if they can do it, I can do it, right? So mm -hmm. I started prioritizing my physical fitness and when I needed to go work out, I would. For me, I found early in the morning was the best. I joined a CrossFit gym that basically got me, I go into that in the book about how my very first CrossFit down in the Pentagon of Pentagon Athletic Center. My very first experience with that was what changed everything. Joined a gym based on the time that I could go was 6 a.m. That was the earliest class. And the only time I could go, I got to get it over with because my day could, could control me and, and become out of control and then thwart my plans for my workout. And then now I'm sitting around this conference table. This is after I just had a grueling CrossFit workout. And I see these, this tray of donuts. It was the last thing I wanted to touch, right? Because it would have undone everything that I just did that morning. So then my eating habits changed. I then had to go to bed a lot more earlier in the evening because I needed to get up for that workout. So my, my after work habits changed. I stopped saying yes to so many things that I felt obligated to and started saying no. Less happy hours. When I would go to events where there was free food, I would say no because I wanted to eat a healthy dinner that I had prepared to cook later at home. So all of these kinds of things, I really learned a lot of this by working mm -hmm. in the Pentagon and how when people, when there is a will within leadership for people to take care of themselves and be at their best, then there, there is not a problem of people being able to do that in the workplace. And so I took what I learned there and I brought that to the 2012 campaign on the re-election. And I implemented that with my team. People thought I was nuts at first. I brought in a massage therapist. I, the, the campaign moms that would provide food most nights, you know, they started bringing in pizza and trays of pasta. And I'd be watching mm -hmm. the staff fall like flies at around six, seven o'clock at night, you mm -hmm. know, and, and, and that can't happen. People getting sick because they weren't eating good foods. So I just had a simple conversation. Hey ladies, do you think you can bring in some salads and healthier options? And they were like, Really? these are younger people. We thought they love junk food. We didn't, we thought they, they didn't like to eat healthy. And I looked at them like, <laughs> they just like free food. So if you bring them this, they're going to eat it. And then yes, they do mm. like good quality food. It just hasn't been available to them. And I said, imagine if you're here every day, seven days a work, uh, seven days a week working on this campaign, you don't have time to go by the time you get out of work the grocery stores close. And they like looked at me and I said, I I'm serious. That's how our life is right now. We come to this place and we go home and we go to sleep. Some people go to the bars afterwards because they're open till two and then you eat bar food. But other than that, most things are closed. And they really understood then what we were going through. And then they, they, the will, right. The, the yeah. motivation was there to completely change the type and quality of food that they're bringing in. And the comments and praise and gratitude that they received, it was also the staff saw it as a sign of respect. They weren't just getting boxes of pizzas thrown at them. They were getting food made with good ingredients, right? Exactly. <laughs> food that, that wasn't cheap, food that, that would nourish them. And mm -hmm. so all of these changes that I saw on a very large scale level of a 
presidential campaign in the state of Florida, it worked and it worked across different age groups, ethnicities, you know, backgrounds. It didn't matter. People at the core, they just wanted to feel better. And so I decided to write a book after the campaign about that because people were asking me, how can you help me? How can I do this? How can I come out of this stronger than I was when I went into it, believe it or not, when Mm -hmm. most people were destroyed, right? How can you be a better version of yourself after that experience? Wow. Well, for those that are listening, I highly encourage you to purchase that book. Once again, it's called Go From Stress to Strong, Health and Fitness Advice from High Achievers. But I honestly love that so much. And even with just making those small changes of even just by adding a salad, like I started noticing a difference in the way that like not just how I was feeling physically, but also mentally, like it, a lot of it does clear up your mind and gets you focused for the work that you are doing. And I feel like so much emphasis is put on the physical part, but a lot of it does go hand in hand with your mental health as well. So I love that, um, you put emphasis on that when you were, you were sharing your story. Also, I love that you have family in Maine because I also have family in Maine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my so cool. pa- my parents were born there and my most of my family still lives up there. It's a beautiful place. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, my dad was born, um, born there. My family lives from my dad's side lives up there. So that's so cool. I love that. Um wonderful. Well, yeah. So before we end, I always ask my guests, what um is there anything else that they you would like to share with the listeners, just a piece of encouragement or wisdom before we end our conversation? I would say two things. Thank you, Sydney. My, my parting words of advice are don't be afraid to fail. The only way to guarantee failure is to not try at all. And I promise you that I have failed many times in life, but if I wouldn't have tried, right? I wouldn't even have been able to fail. And through failing, I have learned so much, not just about myself, but about the process, about other people, and about my capabilities and, and what, what I have the, the ability to achieve, not just by working hard, but mentally manifesting and, and saying, like, you don't just deserve this. You've earned the right to be here. Now go get it. And even if you fail, it doesn't matter. It will, I guarantee you, it will help you in, in your future endeavors, whatever that is. And then the other thing I would say is do not be afraid to ask for help. No one in this world can do anything on their own. We can't. And so while you may feel afraid or discouraged because that will show a sign of weakness to somebody that you're asking for help, I promise you it's not. Asking for help is a sign of strength, not a, not a weakness. So go out there and if you're unsure about something or you just need a friend or a hand on your back, reach out. Oh, so good. Ending it on a perfect note. Thank you so much for joining me again. This has been incredible. I've loved getting to know more about you. Um, and I cannot wait for further conversations down the road. <laughs> Yes. 
Thank you, Sydney. And thank you to all the listeners out there. And I wish you the best day. And as always, stay strong. Awesome. Thank you so much. And for those listening, we will see you guys next time on the Wonder Podcast.